Mother Up is a call to action to listen to the mothers and evolve into a nurturing society by prioritizing caring over profits. We urge everyone of all genders and ages to act as if the survival of the species is at the mercy of our choices, economic, political, and cultural. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode two of Mother Up. Today, Krista Nunez and I share how our community of mothers from around the world is responding to the crisis of racial injustice. We talk of Krista's work to bring literacy and access to farming and nature to children and families of color. We also talk about the fledgling Ubuntu library and about the concept of comfortitude, which is central to both of our work. This led us to a conversation about class and race and food deserts and what's wrong with unsolicited advice and lots more. We recorded the episode in field conditions, so you can hear the birds in the background. And in some cases, our voices overlap a bit. Not ideal, but yet another opportunity to be humbled by imperfection and show up anyway. Mother Up is a production of Mama's Comfort Camp, an emotional support network where moms of all ages and stages from around the world and across the street are seen, heard, and help. Our motto is, moms don't need more advice, we need more support. Find us on Facebook by searching for Mama's Comfort Camp. Mother Up and Mama's Comfort Camp are projects of the Center for Transformative Action, a Cornell University affiliate. Here's your host, Yael Daphna Saar, founder of Mama's Comfort Camp. A moment of outrage and sorrow. This episode was recorded and edited in days of extreme racial injustice. We dedicate it to George Floyd and his family, especially to his mother, and to all the black and brown people murdered in racist America and around the world. We work and pray for peace and justice for all. This episode includes triggering content. We invite listeners to rise up to this discomfort as the path to our evolution. I should note that I, your host, am a white woman learning about my privilege and blind spots. So if something I say is insensitive, I apologize in advance and welcome corrections. So hello and welcome, Krista Nunez. I'm doing How great. Are you, my How friend? are you, my dear? It's great to be here with you. I am good enough. <laughs> um, who are you, Oh my Krista goodness, what a, what a question. I am a woman, farmer, and educator living in Ithaca, New York. I run the Learning Farm. I run a nonprofit and a for-profit organization having to do with the education of children and the love of nature. Yes. That's me in a nutshell. I'm a mother of three, a wife of one, <laughs> and a child of God. And I love the beautiful world that we live in. And I love to get out in the natural pieces of it and want to provide access for all people to be able to enjoy it as I do. And the learning farm, which is right outside of Ithaca, is one of those places where 
sitting in nature, one feels the presence of God in the stream and in the field and in the things that you grow. And you don't have to be religious. You don't mm. have to be Judeo-Christian. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, the power of love that, that is the power of creation is nice. so present. This conversation is like many other mother up conversations <laughs> meandering everywhere and it's once. wonderful it's, it's wonderful because we're not really going for like the classic interview where one person asks questions and the other answers these are very pregnant conversations there's so much that can be born and it's always a conversation among equals mm-hmm. and in this case you and I have a wonderful working relationship as you serve on the advisory board of Mother Up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so grateful to do so. Thank you. And I absolutely am thrilled by the perspective that you bring. Yeah. A lot of your work is centered on bringing nature and knowledge to people who have a harder time accessing nature and knowledge. Yeah. And you have a new venture called Ubuntu Lab. Yes, I'm thrilled to hear that you're excited about it. I am over the moon about it. It's something that was just beginning. It's fledgling stage uh, right before this pandemic, this plague, COVID-19 hit. So we had a group of really lovely people that I had invited to help get this off the ground, you being one of them, Yael. We're going to have monthly meetings, gatherings where we eat together, talk together about how to help local children who need more books in their lives because books, for me, have always been a window into worlds that I've wanted to access and couldn't. And so having a book in hand was just my life as a child and it saved me. I had lovely parents growing up for a while as a as an only child, wanting to have, you know, just an understanding of things that were not available in my life. Uh, the books provided that. And so I want to connect with people who have the same passion, giving children a million windows throughout their lives to be able to dream and think and plan and ponder all the myriad things that are written so that they can be well supported in their future life in realizing their their dreams and hopes in their future. And so we really felt that because schools are, are in a way stymied in how much uh, breadth of understanding and, and knowledge that they can impart, we wanted to focus on things like climate change and human rights and things that when you talk about core curriculum, we skip over. And so there's just a really amazing group of people here in Ithaca who are passionate about children and education and the environment and humanity um, who really felt strongly that they want to be part of it. So we got just enough work done in that short period where we met once and had conversations throughout that we were able to rise to the challenge of, of kids now stuck at home, not much to read, a long period where schools weren't providing any educational support, where we were able to kind of really leap on an opportunity to connect with the local districts, uh, social workers and principals and identify students who might need more books in the homes to help pass the time in a really wonderful way. Students who might be either struggling readers or might not have you know, a library of books to, to have access to at home and with libraries closed, you know, all those windows shutting suddenly. So, so that's how it started. And 
um, that was really the impetus for it is just our love of children and of books. So beautiful. I have tears. The good kind. <laughs> you are asking people to actively contribute in a very accessible mm. way. You have partnered with beloved local bookstore, Buffalo yes. Street Books, and you are fundraising in the most beautiful and direct mm. way. Instead of going to some Kickstarter, mm -hmm. you are going directly to support our wonderful bookstore and inviting the community to buy gift cards for the Ubuntu mm -hmm. Lab. So anyone listening to this, please take a moment. If you can join us in supporting this wonderful effort, please go to the website of Buffalo Street Books, buy an online gift certificate of any amount. Right now, we're hoping that 130 people in the community will contribute $20 mm -hmm. each, and that would help Ubuntu Lab meet its first fundraising goal. Did you I say did. that You right? did. You said that exactly right. And I think <laughs> folks who want to see a paradigm shift, I think a lot of us really see clearly that the world is broken in a myriad ways, um, just one of which the income um, and wealth disparities um, that we see titans like Amazon are making so much money off of this pandemic and how local bookstores perhaps are just beginning to see some uplift because people are conscious of, of those disparities. And I want to highlight the, the wonderful work of Buffalo Street Books and how they support, support this community. They're community owned and they are just really all about the beautiful local support of, of our local children. And so yeah, we wanted, it was a no-brainer for us to partner with them, and they've been a wonderful um, partner in, in, in sourcing books and sorting books and donating books, and Lisa Swayze is just an amazing general manager over there, and her whole staff is just wonderful to work with. So, yes, please, if you if you have, have the wherewithal to support this initiative, please go directly to our bookstore and uh, buy a gift certificate for a child. Online. Online easy, easy peasy, on your phone, do it. Yeah, and a hundred percent of your donation goes yep. to this cause. It's all volunteer uh, work, and the bookstore itself is the it will be reaping the benefits as well as the children. So this is an interesting point that you're raising because I have an issue with people who balk at paying for staff mm. time to make important mm. things happen. I mean, I think I think it's admirable that in this case, in the mm -hmm. Ubuntu Lab nobody is currently getting paid nope. and how long is that sustainable if the ubuntu lab will grow like we mm -hmm. hope it will to give millions of opportunities to children this important beautiful work will have will have to happen by yes. someone so i i feel that any any do donations towards this short sure, first it should go towards books but let's acknowledge that this work is being done mm -hmm. by someone and people can only volunteer mm -hmm. so much. And if we really want to sustain the caring work of important initiatives, yes, in the beginning, having them rely on volunteers is okay, but that is sort of like random acts mm -hmm. of kindness. Mm -hmm. They are sustainable. not truly yeah. sustainable and they also cannot be well systematized mm -hmm. because they don't have the 
the wherewithal, yeah. right? You never know when the random act will happen and how long right. it will last. So in my work in um, the nonprofit world, which I'm a novice in just a couple of years now, I keep advocating for donors and foundations and, and regular people to actually value donations that will sustain the staff mm -hmm. time that is needed to systematize and sustain. I work. agree completely. So that's yeah, and I feel that that's a very worthy point. Um, I think knowing I spent many years in the for-profit sector and I do own a for-profit company. Um, and I know that uh, when people can't get paid and have to work very hard, things, you know, the money doesn't matter until it does matter. Um, a good friend of mine, Rafa Ponte, uh, likes to say, and it's true, I think, um, you know. Yes, Rafa seems to always <laughs> say exactly the things that uh, stay with me. He's a guy and a new father. Yeah. I'm very happy for him. Um, but yes, and he's definitely going to be oh, interviewed great. on this I show. I can't wait uh, to hear that one. So yeah. the point is, um, I, and I have created... Um, products and services that I do get paid from uh, via my, my for-profit. And because I spent a lot of time working for other people's uh, for-profit corporations and really hating my life, uh, it's been, it's just been an utter gift to be able to express myself through the things that I'm actually passionate about. Um, one being our, our work with Ubuntu Lab is just a, an amazing dream. Um, and so the money right now doesn't uh, need to come from that particular source. But yes, I think for for sustainability, if this is not going to always be me and a in a in a large group of volunteers that we've assembled, um, if if it will be sustained um, more successfully through a paid structure, then yes, those those dollars will need to go in towards that because it's a worthy cause to, that that I know will need ongoing support. Um, so, you know, I think that's a conversation for later with this particular organization in this project. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I think let's talk again about that as we as we kind of um, continue down this path. Um, but right now we're 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 chugging along in this beginning phase um, and really wanting to devote 100 percent of the funds towards the books themselves. Thank More you. power to you charting new territory with this mm -hmm. amazing project. I had a thought about an additional way to support the program and the bookstore. Over the past few years, my family has gotten a bunch of um, gift cards for mm -hmm. Buffalo Street Books. But we find that we're doing more and more of our reading um, in digital format. And a lot of the books that we want are available through the pu public mm -hmm. library app. So we actually have existing plastic mm -hmm. gift cards. Is there a way for me to designate those gift cards? Mail it here to the learning farm. Um, and we have a stack uh, of collected um, gift cards that people have sent here that have arrived safely. Yes, thank you. Uh, if you have gift cards or, or remainders of, of past gift cards uh, on hand that you'd like to donate, please do mail them to the Learning Farm 
at 272 Enfield Falls Road in Ithaca, New York, 14850. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, Krista, we get to see each other um, sometimes in your farm. Sometimes mm-hmm. we go for a walk together. But one of the places that I get to see you most often is the wonderful Southside Community Center yes. here in downtown Woo-hoo. Ithaca. And yes, and that place is really one of the most mm. mother upping places I've ever been to. It's got so much mama energy. It is so repair the world and everything that is sick with it um, while elevating, working to dismantle white supremacy and turning white fragility into people being able to support each other Mm. in solidarity. Shout out to Dr. Tammy Butler and to Dr. Nia Nunn, the two amazing women that run it. In a very inspiring evening at Southside Community Center recently, you talked eloquently about an initiative for farming that made my heart mm-hmm. break open. Would you please talk yes. about it? So there is a local group called the Finger Lakes land access reparations and reconciliation working group and we really focus on helping folks connect to land and be able to grow good food for the health of communities and individuals who've historically been barred from entry into into land and we worked to bring the amazing Leah Penniman from Soulfire Farm here um, a couple years back, and um, she did an amazing job of really educating the community on all of these issues and um, really lighting a fire within all of us to allow people to have avenues um, to express their love for land through the growing of food. So yes, we've been working together, providing food distribution, working on food production issues, and trying to help people grow food for themselves and break this broken paradigm of food access um, that's been highlighted by COVID-19, especially. It, it sounds like you're helping to irrigate <laughs> food deserts I love basically, food. by giving access to direct mm-hmm. food production. In this country, there's a lot of history of dark-skinned people working the land that is owned mm-hmm. by light-skinned people. And I'm interested in the access mm-hmm. to land ownership that mm-hmm. is intrinsic mm-hmm. to this program. Yeah, it's something that as a group, we have various perspectives. And so there are some amongst us who don't even ascribe to the traditional concept of land ownership. Land is not meant to be owned. You know, we have indigenous to Turtle Island uh-huh. uh, on this group who see the idea of owning land that does not that was stolen and so never ceded by the Gaikonal people here and so buying and selling of it is contrary to a truthful relationship or a right relationship with land and then you have others within the group who see land ownership as a path forward to community connection and creating avenues for Indigenous and Black and Brown people to be able to connect over land without 
having to circumnavigate the the official ownership of lands and lands being owned through U.S. government programs and things is it's sometimes prob- problematic if entities or individuals don't own own the land. So, you know, it's it's something that we're conversing about, and I personally believe that together we will come up with solutions that are fitting, that are appropriate, and honor all. But it's an ongoing conversation. This is a prime example of how in order to truly heal and to truly empower, we absolutely must get comfortable Mm -hmm. and get proficient at holding contradictory Mm -hmm. ideas and still Mm -hmm. continuing the conversation. And this is an inherently maternal capacity. Mothers, since the dawn of time, have had to navigate the competing needs of their family members, scarce resources. It seems like there's never enough resources to meet the needs while you're mothering, whether the resource is food or clothes, you know, the number of hands Mm -hmm. that a mama can use at a time. The patriarchy is not very good at holding (laughs) contradictory ideas. If things don't easily compute, they become Mm -hmm. labeled as impossible. And one of the challenges that Mother Up, the organization and the call to action, is inviting people to rise to is to change our worldview, especially when it comes to economy and governance that will go from materialistic to maternal. I don't mean that we're only favoring mothers, and I don't mean that only mothers can mm-hmm. behave that way. A maternal view of economics means that we put the caring for family and community as the foremost mm-hmm. um, criteria when right. we allocate resources. But that goes part and parcel with the capacity to hold mm-hmm. competing needs and seemingly mm-hmm. contradictory ideas as valid yep. at the same time and as the beginning of conversations that need and must happen as opposed to things that if they can't if they don't see, sit well together on the superficial first view that means right. that something is impossible mothers don't say <laughs> not possible. Mothers often say (laughs) not yet, right? (laughs) And you don't have to be a mother or have a womb or be a woman Mm -hmm. or be a grown-up to live Mm. by these principles. Mm -hmm. That's well said. Thank you. So that was quite the concept that I would like to take a moment to um, contemplate. And I think this is a good time to take Mm -hmm. a little song break. And we invite you guys to listen to the lyrics, but also just let the concepts we just talked about percolate a little bit and Mm. uh, see where they land for you. Another unarmed man 
didn't stick up his hands and now they're spreading the tape yeah there's been a promotion of the idea that we There ain't no justice, there ain't no liberty, or how many more people have to die before we know the reason why. Ain't nothing but fear that drives this train. Nothing to lose in everything. How Many More by the band Stone Cold Miracle with the amazing vocals of their front woman, Sing Trace. Both Krista and I have collaborated with Trace in community healing efforts and we love her beautiful voice that gives sound to her wisdom and passion. You can find Stone Cold Miracle on Spotify 
and connect with trees at singtrees.com. One more beautiful concept and uh, still a difficult one. Um, one of your roles in serving on the Mother Up board is help our relationship to whiteness and privilege as we lead and moderate Mama's mm. Comfort Camp in which there are mm. a, a few thousand moms from around the world and across the street. And the majority of the women in these groups mm -hmm. are white. We have black and brown women and mothers of black and brown children. But mm -hmm. just like in America, they are a minority in Mama's Comfort Camp. And the team of moderators and board members are cognizant of this and we don't collect demographic data as a matter of choice we provide safe spaces in which mothers comfort each other and see each other as whole and capable and part of that is that we actually don't ask demographic questions and we are learning that we're actually not doing enough at this time of crisis of racism. We are not mm. doing enough to support women of color among us. Mm. And uh, mm. it's not because we don't want to, it's because we don't know how, it's because mm -hmm. we are afraid of saying the wrong thing. And mm -hmm. um, that fear can be paralyzing. So mm -hmm. uh, in the last few years, we have intentionally invited women of color to join our leadership. And that's, again, a hard thing to ask because our leaders don't get paid for their time. I am learning to navigate how to make Mama's Comfort Camp not only accessible, but feel mm -hmm. good for the women who need it most. And now with mm -hmm. the crisis of safety for black humans in this country, mm -hmm. it is mm. clear to me that Mama's Comfort Camp needs to not only think of ourselves as a safe space, but to actively create and invite conversations mm -hmm. that help white women recognize our white upbringing is making us racist in ways we do not recognize mm -hmm. and absolutely not the job of black and brown women to educate us mm -hmm. because that's unpaid emotional labor mm -hmm. yeah so we should do at least two things thing one ask white women to give of their time to support our own evolution and the other thing is to pay black women that have created resources like books and videos and programs that mm -hmm. do this education yep. to pay the bills yep. and keep the light I, on. A young mother uh, who has a child um, who is a struggling reader in school and was talking to her about Ubuntu Lab, wanting her to, to devote some time to going through the program, receiving books, reading books with their child. And she said to me, I haven't seen my baby in two days. I work three jobs and my mom, my child care, and she has two jobs and we just sort of shuffle it together and try to cover all the bases. Hearing that folks of color, many of whom are essential workers, are still expected to not only put their lives on the line to keep the world moving, but to 
care for children and families, um, pay the bills and deal with the emotional labor of the news cycle and what's actually happening. I think everything that wonderful organizations like Mother Up and Mama's Comfort Camp, um, everything that you all can do is so welcome. Women have the capacity to love and to think with a community mindset. Um, And so the more thought that's put into supporting people who need support and who need more resources to do, if they're being asked to do more work, more resources need to be put into those people. I want to give a shout out to Juliana Garcia and Phoebe Brown, who are two Mm. incredible Mm. activists Mm. in Ithaca who have been sharing their wisdom with Mama's Comfort Camp and with me in person and with Mama's Comfort Camp members online and really keeping us on task, recognizing our capacity to help and not shying away from difficult conversations, which it's interesting because part of Mama's Comfort Camp guidelines is that we come here to validate, Mm -hmm. not educate. And one of the things that we don't allow is for people to share PSAs that are, you know, warnings about the world or just educational content. For example, this is how Mm -hmm. you teach your child to read. We, We ask our members to use our forums for personal conversations about how they feel and what they think and what is alive or what is challenging for them. So the the conversation is really centering on people's actual experiences as opposed to here is a a warning or here is an educational resource. But when it comes to addressing this source of Mm -hmm. agony in this world in which black and brown people are Mm -hmm. absolutely not safe. The Den Mamas, who are the moderators, have come to, in this case, we are doing harm Mm -hmm. if we are not Mm -hmm. educating. Creating conversations in which we are bringing in resources is actually Mm -hmm. central to our mission to bring about a world in which all mothers are seen, Mm -hmm. heard, and held, and are supported emotionally Mm -hmm. and economically and physically. In a world in which mothers Mm -hmm. cannot keep their children safe because we Mm -hmm. are not having these conversations, we cannot hide behind our Mm -hmm. fear of uncomfortable conversations. We are, in this case, putting comfort on hold long enough to have these difficult conversations and see comfort that arrives on the other side of making people Mm -hmm. be seen and held. And I think that through a platform of non-judgment are on to something really profound. As a woman of color, I see clearly that the entire culture, the entire society Indeed, the world is constructed in a manner that is extremely judgmental and harshly evaluative of people of color, in particular women. And so creating a platform in which the expectation is non-judgment is supportive. And I think continuing down that path and really creating avenues for 
folks to be encouraged to grow in their capacity for non-judgment, for acceptance, for unconditional love, and embracing unfamiliar or even, you know, familiar. I think on your platform, I've really seen how strongly we all identify with one another's struggles and how, you know, humanity is is really so much deeper and, and color and heritage and nationality is is a single layer of just the complexity of what really connects us but the idea that people come to the table and even come to your platform with preconceived notions and with a an instinct or an innate sense to evaluate negatively people of color or not to be as welcoming and so I encourage you with thoughtfulness as I know you will to just continue your good work in helping people to love and accept folks that may not have identical lives or look identically as they do yes and the path to doing that is to increase our capacity mm-hmm. to be with discomfort through this discomfort mm-hmm. more comfort mm-hmm. will come Which, interestingly enough, is also a concept that was central to my recovery Mm. from postpartum depression. Learn to bear discomfort Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. comfort will come. Discomfort Mm -hmm. tolerance is the path to long-lasting comfort. It's Mm -hmm. not discomfort avoidance that heals. It's Mm -hmm. discomfort tolerance that allows us to find a lot more Mm -hmm. comfort on the other side and to also be able to offer comfort even through Mm. our own discomfort, which leads me to the subject of (laughs) comfortitude, which is a mouthful. Mm. Yes, I love that you love this word. And Mm. it's a new word that Mama's Comfort Mm. Camp has coined. And we are trying to bring it to the rest of the world as Mm -hmm. a piece of vocabulary. What is your understanding Mm -hmm. of comfortitude so Mm -hmm. far? Because we have talked several times, but it is still an evolving concept. What does it mean to you? I love that you invented a word. I just have to like giggle and glee with with that for a moment. I just love that. For me, comfortitude, the idea that it's two words together is, you know, a conjunction word is just amazing. Like the idea of of comfort, of being of solace, of being an oasis, a human oasis for one another, being a soft place to land as a mother. That is what I wake up to in the morning. How can I be a soft place to land for these people? And they are young, struggling their way through life. All the concepts are new. And so the idea of comfort is very important. And fortitude is also important. The strength behind the comfort, the consistency, the perseverance behind the comfort is important. As you mentioned, being uncomfortable, being able to sit with someone during their hard times. Sometimes it's just very challenging to sit with somebody who is going through hard times, who are having strong emotions. Um, But it's that very action of being with somebody and being uncomfortable with them, that is comforting. And that proves true friendship. As a Christian, I looked to Job many times during his hard times. He had friends that came who thought they were his being friendly and being his friends. They were good friends, but they were judging him. And if you read the text, if you read the scripture, you see that they're like, well, what if you did this? Maybe you really blew it. And this is God punishing you is why all of these terrible things are happening to you. And maybe if you change this or that or this or that, 
Um, and I think that's sometimes our attendance humans. So they were giving unsolicited yes. advice, which and is some- another another core principle of Mommy's Comfort do Camp. It, that right? advice is only useful when yes. it's requested. Otherwise, exactly. it's judgment. Um, and sometimes we think we know when we don't know. And you cannot know until you hear. And I think that's that's what I stand for. And I think that's what um, this community stands for. Deep down, we want to hear one another. We want to listen. We want to be there in silence with somebody and just do that for one another. Yeah. When somebody is having a hard time, people will say something like, I'm holding you in the light or I'm keeping you in the light or sending Mm. you light. But what I find that when I'm having a hard time, what I want is someone willing to come be with me Mm. in my darkness. I don't want your light yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you. Um, Yeah. And I think that's true friendship is saying, where are you? I'm coming to you. You don't need to come to me. I'm coming to you. Right. That builds fortitude. Mm -hmm. Also, in the word comfortitude is community. Mm. In my mind, comfortitude ends up being a little bit like a, almost like a mathematical equation where comfort and community are what's needed to result with fortitude. And in a way, comfortitude to me is the thing we could measure if we wanted to understand how healthy a community is. Resilience becomes a community job and not just an inside job, because Mm -hmm. when community members consistently comfort each other and see each other as whole and Mm -hmm. offer each other a soft place to land without judgment Mm -hmm. and are willing to sit with each other in the darkness and are willing Mm -hmm. to withhold advice until Mm -hmm. it is specifically requested... All of those things, when they are provided consistently by the community, create Mm -hmm. a strong fabric that is so resilient that it can get through hard times. Yes. Yes. All of that. And I love the word commitment, too, and how that might fit in here. Yes. How we commit to one another as a community. So expanding the definition, it's a commitment to community providing comfort Mm. consistently. It results in community fortitude, strength, and resilience. Does that sound about right? Amen. That's it. That's it. We just solved all the world's problems. (laughs) (laughs) Now for action, right? Yes. Okay, so we have arrived at our allotted time because this is a Saturday morning and your family needs and deserves you. So is there anything that you would like to say as a parting word? We appreciate and treasure this moment that we had. It's been a great honor to be on your podcast, Yael, um, and I wish you a wonderful day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can learn more about Mother Up and our programs to amplify the voices of parents and caregivers at motherup.org. Our theme song is We Are the Answer by the band Grey Gary. You can find more of their music at greygary.com.
stay safe and be well, dear ones. Hugs all around.